Voted the third most livable city in the world, Adelaide truly is designed for life. In the Experience Adelaide podcast, hear stories from the people who are creating great experiences and opportunities in the CBD as we showcase the amazing events, hotels, businesses, schools and more right in the heart of our city. Paige Greco kick-started Australia's Tokyo 2020 Paralympic campaign by winning the very first gold medal of the Games. The cyclist won the C1, C3, 3,000-metre individual pursuit before going on to win two more medals in the velodrome and on the road. Paige credits her move to Adelaide from Melbourne for her success in Tokyo, which culminated in her recently being named the Para-Athlete of the Year at the SA Sports Awards. I have cerebral palsy and I've had that since birth. You know, I grew up in Melbourne and I've always been very sporty. I came from a sporty family and I actually started um, athletics through and competed as a, as a para, so an athlete with a disability. And I loved athletics and uh, through that I went to a talent identification day um, through Paralympics Australia. So that's where you try different sports and you do different tests and that and they suggested that I should try cycling or I should give it a go and you know I at the time I I loved athletics and I wanted to continue doing athletics and pursue the goals that I had so a little bit down the track you know I was I aimed for the Rio Paralympics and unfortunately I didn't make it in athletics so after that I thought that I'd finished with athletics um you know, I thought I needed to give cycling a go. Everyone had said that, you know, I should give it a go and I might be good at it. So I thought, you know, I just I have to see if I'd enjoy it. And, you know, I tried it. I loved it. You know, I loved all the places it could take you on your, you know, on your bike and riding and that. And, yeah, from there I, I decided to move to Adelaide because I thought that that would be best for my cycling. And yeah, it has. I don't regret it. I've been here for about three years now. And yeah, I think it's definitely contributed to my success in um, in Tokyo and at the World Championships that I've gone to. Um, Adelaide's a really great place for cycling. Um, you know, I love the roads here and in the hills. What was behind the decision to then move to Adelaide? I went on a development camp to Adelaide and I really loved the environment and the other para-athletes that live here. They were... They were so lovely and they were very supportive and I got to see how they trained in Adelaide and how it really worked for them. So I moved over here for for a coach and, you know, I joined Sassy and they was they were very welcoming and they were they were so quick to help me with a gym program and a and a coach and you know, really setting up that training environment which made the transition early on in my cycling career and moving interstate you know, very exciting, very exciting for me. And, you know, I work with a gym coach, a sports scientist um, from SASE, and then, you know, that's all so amazing. And then I also, I I, I can go to people, um, you know, for sport psychology and then also helping make sure that my life off the bike, you know, is kind of taken care of or thought of as well. So, uh, you know, going over what I wanted to do with study or work options, so... I'm very lucky I came into a very supportive environment, not just from the athletes but from the staff at um, at SASE. So I think that's also very much contributed to why I've, uh, why I've been here now for three years. 
I've heard it described that Adelaide is fabulous for training, as you can go from the CBD to the hills in a blink. Well, at your level, not mine. Um, and equally in a blink, you're down at the coast. Yeah, no, definitely. That is one thing that I do do love and it is easy to get from one place to the other, whereas, you know, where where I was living in Melbourne, um, getting to, for example, the beach or getting to somewhere where there's a few hills to complete my training efforts can be a little bit difficult. So for my cycling, I think that's also why I've stayed in Adelaide, just for those like kind of a little bit logistics and that that, um, that do make my my training rides are a lot easier to complete and how to get to where I need to get to. You know, the scenery is so pretty and especially we can, you know, you can look down and see the city of Adelaide, um, for example, while you're riding up Green Hill Road or, um, you know, riding up the Valaway. So, you know, I love that you can have, you know, if you want to go do a, a hills ride and climb some pretty cool hills, you can always go into the hills. But then, you know, if you want to do a beach ride or just, you know, ride along the water, you can do that too. And, you know, everything's, you know, pretty close. So, you know, you've really got a, a good variety. And, yeah, the velodrome's here and it's got a really good cycling community. You know, the staff are, the staff are very supportive at Oz Cycling. Um, they really look after us all athletes um, very well, not just in Adelaide but around Australia. Um, so I usually train there about twice a week on the velodrome. So, um, you know, it's a really it's a really great facility. Um, you know, if anything, if I ever need anything, the staff are always there to help out and and that. And then I do my gym work at the South Australian Sports Institute. So they're great there as well. They're always um, pushing me to do to do my best and they're always coming up with new ideas of how I can improve my performance. So it's a really good cycling community here and, and everyone's very supportive and you're not always willing to help out and help you achieve your goals. The training is interesting. It's it's your fitness, your attitude, your commitment. At, at what point did you realise you could potentially be making Tokyo? Yeah, so when I look back at my career, I think when I made the World Championships, the 2019 Track World Championships that was in um, Appledorn, the Netherlands, I, um, when I moved to Adelaide, that was my goal to make that team. And I did, which was amazing. I'd never been to an, a world championships or an international competition before. And I won my C3 individual pursuit and the 500 meter time trial. And I remember, I remember thinking, wow, I think I actually have a shot at Tokyo. I always look back at, I think it was the 500-meter time trial, the medal ceremony, and when I was presented with my medal, the um, the presenter actually said to me, "You know, see you in Tokyo," and you know, I thought, "Wow, like this is such an amazing feeling." I, I, you know, I actually might have a shot at making the team. So that was a really, that was a really special moment, and just in my career, I always do look back at that and think, "Wow, like that's when I really thought." I might have a chance. Was that because it was a case of in, internal recognition from from you and what you'd achieved, combined with the external affirmation with the medal and the see who in Tokyo line? Was was that combination a kind of pivotal moment? Yeah, no. So definitely, I think it was a bit of external motivation as well. And you know, it was I'm very grateful 
grateful to have won my races. But even now, after every race, I think, you know, how can I improve? What can I do differently? You know, what aspects on the bike, my per- my aero position, my, you know, training in the gym, you know, how can I better my position to make sure I, I end up at the top step in Tokyo? So there was definitely some external validation, but then also internally I always want to... I always want to better my my performance and I always, you know, get off the bike. And I think I said this to my coach um, in Tokyo as well. I said, you know, what can we do next? What, you know, how can we improve? And I remember at that World Championships, that's when I, you know, I got off the bike and I finished the medal presentations and I was like, okay, you know, I got this. I think I, think I can make the team. I think... I think I still got so much more I can improve on, which, which you know, we did. And even now, I think there's so much more I can still do. So, yeah, that was definitely a special World Championships. Can you just tell us about the moments leading up to that first goal? Did you know you had it? I I do remember it clearly during that race. We did have a race plan and we weren't sure if my competitor was going to try and race me and catch me because in an individual pursuit it can be a bit of like a cat and mouse if you catch your opponent, you know, the race is finished and you win. Um, And we weren't sure if she was going to do that, but my coach and I had a schedule. We, We wanted to target and... We we had a we had a plan that if she was going to try and race me at lap eight, he would he would say lift, which means you've got to I've got to pick up the pace a little bit and go a little bit faster. But each lap, I was getting I was getting my schedule and I was on green on the tablet, which means that I was I was on schedule and I was doing okay. So I just kept each lap looking at that tablet and going okay. Actually, no, I'm doing what I need to do. Just hold the pace. Keep keep focused. Keep keep your head down in the best aero position I can be. And always at that last kilo, so the last four laps, I always try and pick up the pace and just go as hard as I can go. So I was like, okay, my coach Dave, he was just, he was just saying, hold. Okay, you're doing yelling out, hold, you've got this, just keep going. So then I thought oh, I actually might be up on schedule. I might actually, I might be ahead of my competitor. So I just thought, okay, last four laps, I've just got to give it give it my all. And, you know, I did and I remember finishing that last lap and then looking at the scoreboard and seeing my name up top and, and it was a world record and I just thought, wow, I think that's when the tears started coming and just, wow, that moment, realising, you know, we, we did it, I always say. So, yeah. A very special moment. It gives me tears just in my eyes just now. But you, you had two other medals, including a photo finish. Can you just take us through what a photo finish means when you're waiting on the floor? Yeah, no, so fo- photo finish means that um, you, you, don't, you don't know who's won and you've got to look at the, um, got to look at the photo to see who came second, third and fourth. And when I'd cross that line, I knew there was one of the girls were behind me. I didn't realize two of them were so close. And I remember just sprinting as hard as I could. And then I didn't want to look behind because I didn't want to lose my focus or, you know, take my foot off the pedals. So I remember crossing the line and then looking over and going, oh, wow, there's actually two girls. So I wasn't sure either. I had to 
once I got off the bike, I asked one of the staff members. They said, oh, we, we don't know. We don't know who came second or third. And, you know, I had to wait a few minutes and then, um, you know, looking at the – at the at the finishing at the results and they go oh wow it was, you know it was a photo finish and yeah then they said you got third so I was very very happy to be on the podium but um it was definitely a, you know all, all my races were a good learning experience but yeah definitely that road race and I'd, I'd never been on a photo finish before so also very exciting very um yeah very nerve-wracking as well waiting to see if I if I got a medal or not yes you reached the top step and well done. You didn't want to be anywhere else but on the top step. And you did that. And you did it on the biggest stage you can. So what's next on your horizon? Oh, I'd love to defend my title in the individual pursuit and definitely on the road, the road time trial and the road race. Um, I got third, which was, you know, uh, amazing being on the podium three times at my first Paralympics. But definitely... You know, I'd love to be on that top step in the future. And, you know, my coach and I have already talked about ways we can improve my performance and, you know, maybe try different training tra- training sessions and that. So, yeah, definitely trying to be on the top step. I think we have road world championships and track world championships next year, which, um, which I'm really looking forward to. And, yeah, definitely for Paris, you know, or I always aim and I always train for the top step so yeah really looking forward to it how much dedication does it take how much commitment does it take how much of your life and your drive to go for that top step yeah definitely it takes you know a lot of determination and motivation to want to get up and train every day and at that training session really push yourself and you know push yourself to the limit you think your body can go to um but, you know, you also got to enjoy training and as much as, you know, I love training and I love pushing myself and being, you know, tired after a training session and just know that I've given it my all. You know, you've got to also really enjoy what you do. And I think that's also so contributed to my success. You know, I work hard, I train hard, but I also really enjoy what I do, which makes going to these training sessions and these hard training sessions on the track, you know, on the road, in the gym, just just worth it as well. So I'm, I'm, I'm guessing a lot of that is centred around the culture with the team, the coaches, that fosters that hard work, that commitment, but also I think critical that sense of enjoyment from, from working hard and, and doing well. Yeah, no, definitely. I think team culture really plays a role in um, athlete success um, on a team and I'm so lucky to be a part of such an amazing, supportive para cycling team. You know, in Australia, we always, when we go away, we always, you know, support each other and cheer each other on and I think that really contributes to everyone's success and even just everyday training. With my other paracyclists in Adelaide, you know, they all make it very enjoyable and we always push each other along to try and do, you know, the best we can. And then when we go away and, you know, we get to reunite with all the other athletes who are all from different states, um, you know, I really I really do believe that that contributes to success on the bike, not just with our teammates but, you know, with the staff who are always willing to do their best to help all the athletes achieve achieve what they want to on the bike and you know I, I fully believe that my success in Tokyo is definitely I'm riding the bike but there's so many people that help me get to the start line and at to this point so yeah I'm very lucky 
It was a wonderful journey, not not without its challenges. Can you just share with us that moment of being selected for the games and then dealing with the postponement? Yeah, no, it was um, definitely, you know, devastating. It's, you know, the Paralympics are uh, the biggest event in my career and, you know, I'd never been to a Paralympics and then to have it been postponed, you know, I was just... Uh, so disappointed but talking to my coach you know we had to go okay we have an extra year how can we really use that extra year to our advantage what can we focus on that we potentially wouldn't have had as much time to focus on for example my position on the bike in my how aero I can get you know an extra year of strength training in the gym so I had to look at it and go okay I'm a fairly new athlete in in the sport how can I really you know, how can I use that extra year to our advantage, which I'm really lucky. I, yeah, I'm lucky to have such supportive team behind me because I really do think we use that extra year as determination to really go, okay, what can we really focus on and improve? And yeah, I think we did that really well. Well done. It's not easy going from utter exhilaration to the depths of postponement and being able to turn that round. That's that's certainly not easy, but you did it and you got there and you found yourself in the COVID bubble. What was that like? Yeah, so we, even before we got to Tokyo, we had to be in a two-week bubble. So we weren't allowed to go to the supermarket. We just had to train and then get back to our hotel. So we, you know, I feel like we were all very used to it and we we all took it very seriously. So when we got to Tokyo, you know, we were, we were aware of all the restrictions, which were, you know, sometimes a little bit hard. For example, we had to do a COVID test every morning you know, masks, um, we had to wear masks when we when we do go out and we always had to go to training and then come back to the hotel, which usually when we go to a world championship, sometimes that is what it's like, you know, before you compete. Sometimes after competition, it's a little bit different. You have a bit of flexibility to go outside. But, you know, these games were definitely, definitely very different. I don't think we'll ever get a games like this. But, you know, as much as there were restrictions and, you know, there weren't as many people in the crowd, it still felt like a Paralympics. There was, you know, media, media after after you competed and beforehand, and you know, you we all still got to wear the green gold and compete and get to the start line, which that was, a, you know, another thing. We just wanted to get to the start line and be as healthy as you know we can be and avoid close contacts with other countries and you know potentially COVID around us. So. Yeah, definitely there were a few more restrictions that we had to abide by, but at the same time we got there and I was just happy to be there and and compete. Be there, be healthy, be happy and get to the start line. Now, one thing I'm fascinated with is the breadth of your training because it's it's broader than just the race, isn't it? It's also the, the media training, how to deal and manage with the media before and after the events. How, how do you manage that and still keep your focus? You know, we had really great staff to to talk us through that before we before our race day and before our race but we also were very lucky to have um you know a staff member with us all the time and for our heat especially on the track after we'd raced and we'd made the final especially for me I was able to say no media at the moment no interviews I have to I have to go and I have to recover refuel and relax before I before my final we really did take that seriously and go okay no 
you know, the interviews are great, but we also really, we still have a job to do in the, in the final in the afternoon. So I focused on that. And then after, after my race in the final, that's when I did the interviews and, you know, the medal presentation. So we were, we were briefed about that before our race, even on the road. So, but we were able to say, you know, no, not the moment we need to, we still have a job to do in the afternoon. We've made the final. So we need to recover for that. Yeah, there's obviously a lot to manage, trying to race, to sleep, to stay calm, to stay chilled. How do you manage that? Yeah, so on the on my race days, I actually turned off my notifications on my phone. That was a recommendation I got from um, from a few people just to really make sure I stay focused and not look at my phone too much and worry about what's going on social media so I do believe that really that really helped in all the days that I did compete because it allowed me to remain focused and on what I needed to do and the job that I needed to do and you know you've always got a staff member around you to say you know when you need to go and warm up to have lunch I was like yeah I could really just focus on if I needed to have a little nap I could do that but then I didn't have to worry about missing you know missing something or being late to my warm-up because I always had a staff member there to be with me and help me throughout the day and you know also to remind me say no you don't have to do this you don't have to do this interview at the moment you do have a final to get ready for and that was just you know something you just had to be courteous about yes so many experiences in the pursuit of gold and then of course coming back and the quarantine experience how was that yeah it was definitely hard going straight into quarantine you know I wanted to go back and enjoy everything and that with my with my family and friends but um you know quarantine there were definitely days that it was hard and I just really wanted to get out and just you know huggle my family and friends but I knew that I had to keep a good routine each day and I was on the phone and zoom a lot with all my friends and family so we were virtually catching up instead of being face to face but you know, I just made sure I kept busy and wasn't as bad as what I expected. And I think the days did go by fast because I always had something planned. We were all lucky we did get to have our bikes in our room. So I did try and keep active, you know, just an hour, just ticking my legs over so I wasn't sitting down all day, which also helped. And um, I'm actually from Melbourne. So my, you know, I was quarantining in Melbourne and my mum and my grandparents did actually come and wave to the window. So, yeah, it was a different different celebration to what I thought that afterwards and what the Paralympics would be but you know we all got through it and we were lucky we can all you know go and celebrate now. A slight sidetrack if I may you have a sports science degree how's that helped and are you planning to build on that academic base? Yeah no so I do think my my degree has helped with my training and just understanding this is why we're doing what we're doing and you know, I have worked with a sports scientist uh, through Sassy and with my training and he's been great to helping me understand, you know, the type of sessions and why we're doing what we're doing. And, you know, it's great to put it into practice and then to also have that advice and that guidance from our sports scientists and go, you know, this is why, you know, these are different energy systems and how it will make you stronger and fitter on the bike you know, I have always wanted to do the masters in clinical exercise physiology, so that's always been a goal of mine. I'm not sure at the moment when I'm going to complete that, but that is an aspect that, yeah, I would like to build on in the future. So, what's next on the horizon? Yeah, so definitely going for the next cycle. Um, I want to aim for the Paralympics in 2024 in Paris. So, um, 
yeah, looking forward to the next few years in training and, you know, working hard and adjusting things that we need to and understanding the gaps that I might have in my training and competing and, um, you know, and then putting that into practice and training hard. So what's keeping you in Adelaide? I love Adelaide. It's such a great community and I've made some really, really great friends. So, you know, I it works for cycling, but it also works for off the bike and I've got, you know, amazing friends. So, yeah, I love Adelaide. I feel like I've, I think, been here for three years now, so it's definitely gone by very quickly and I think that's also because I just, I enjoy living here and I enjoy my life here. This podcast is brought to you by the Adelaide Economic Development Agency. Follow us at Experience ADL on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or visit experienceadelaide.com.au for everything you need to know about visiting, living, working, studying, and investing in Adelaide. <laughs>